Okay, everybody. So welcome to a wonderful and unexpected, uh, much anticipated episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. This is your host, Naja Hall. And today I have two ladies who hardly needed that beautiful introduction that we just gave them. They're here on the phone. We got the custody queens here with us today. What a name. What's up, custody queens? Woo woo. <laughs> so we're excited to be here, Naja. I'm so glad to have you. So let me tell you guys, I was scrolling on Instagram, which you guys know, that's kind of like my hunting ground. And I don't know if they found me first or I found them first. I don't know how that went, but I started looking through these ladies' um, Instagram page and um, legal eagles, beautiful women, wives, moms, business women. I was like, okay, yeah, these ladies are after my own heart. We need to be friends. And we started talking some sort of way on the internets and we're here today. And I, I believe in their message. I support their message. I mean, for God's sakes, their names are custody queens. So um, I want you each to tell us one fun fact about yourself and introduce yourself. Who's going to go first? I'm going to let Sam go first on this Okay, one. Sam. Go first, Sam. So I would say a fun fact about me and I guess Kristen in general join us together is that I'm about, we're both blondes, but I'm about six foot tall and Kristen's about five foot three. So we're the dynamic <laughs> duo. Oh yeah, you are. <laughs> You're six foot tall? Yeah. Okay, dumb question. Like, did you play basketball in college? I didn't. I get that a lot. I, I actually played soccer. Which what? Is, yeah, above average for the height of a soccer player. But I've got, do you play basketball or volleyball? Probably volleyball. And yes. I was, I was full grown at 13. So I, I've been tall for a while. You were six foot at 13 years old. Yeah. The no wonder you became an attorney. No <laughs> you had to fight a lot. <laughs> okay. That's your fun fact. Okay. Okay. Next fun fact. So fun fact, um, yeah, just to add on the soccer thing really quick, uh, Sam and I are both division one soccer athletes, which um, is a very small percentage of actually women that play division one sports in college. But that's a fun fact for, for both of us. And the other fun fact is anybody who knows me knows that I spill at least 2.4 cups of coffee a day. <laughs> Minimum. <laughs> a minimum. I, we actually have an Instagram uh, feed that actually has pictures of my spills, and I always <sighs> spill at the most inappropriate uh, times. Uh, we had a recent, Sam and I traveled to Texas for an advanced family law trial seminar, and in the middle of one of, you know, the- Oh, no, you did not. No, you didn't. Don't say oh, it. Oh, yeah. Don't I say it. So my large coffee that I snuck in, and it probably <laughs> about 40 40 rows back and um, I'm just trying to pretend like nothing's happening because I'm so used to my clumsiness and and of course Sam's trying to make sure that nobody else is noticing oh god so it's <laughs> clinking and it's just so I, I can't help it my assistant's got toilet paper uh, paper towel rolls in every arena um, I got coffee stains all over my carpet in the office and I, I just <laughs> can't help it I get really excited when I talk and boom, <laughs> coffee so I'm so glad I did not invite you to my studio because <laughs> I would have had to put you out. Okay, so I want to talk about the name Custody Queens. Clearly, I know what it is you do, but I want to know why. Why are you the Custody Queens? So um, this has kind of been a name and a, a mantra in the making. A couple years ago, 
I don't know, at seven years into my career, Sam and I, uh, Sam and I work together. We, we share a caseload and we've gotten to the point where we can literally finish each other's sentences. Mm. And we, we trust each other wholeheartedly because at least half of our brain is identical. Mm. But we, we started taking a lot of custody cases and obviously those deal with visitation and those can range from your everyday visitation schedule where the parents are totally getting along and they just want to memorialize it in an order to your very, very complex, very emotionally driven, really hard, complex custody cases. Mm-hmm. But that became our passion. That became what we were known for in the community, in the office. Um, I'm a mother myself, so custody is very, very near and dear to my heart. And it's kind of like one of those things. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I came to work one day, and I said, Sam, we are the custody queens. Mm, and, yes. Um, we, we just dedicate ourselves to making sure that the kids are always put first. And, um, you know, I think we wear that crown, those crowns pretty well. And I, I think that it just really fits us, but we really focus our practice on the kids' education, uh, making the parents the best parent each of them can be, and really learning how to put the kids first and taking their emotional, personal issues aside so that the kids can really live their best lives. Oh, dear God. And that seems like probably one of the most impossible parts of this all. That's why I came up with this podcast, because taking our emotions out of it is kind of like pulling teeth from an alligator. You know, it's a tough thing to do. So I want to talk about, I was scrolling through you guys' Instagram because I love, by the way, peeps, listen to this. They're, just go to Custody Queens on Instagram. Um, a lot of fun facts, a lot of gems, a lot of free education that they provide for us. And so you guys were talking about, let me go back over to the post on your Instagram. You said important factors for child custody orders. And you kind of go over the important things. Um, But someone asked you a question, and this is something that I hear a lot in all of my online forums too. They said, this is great information that you've given, but what if you get a biased or a, I don't know, I don't want to say bad, but a biased judge? (laughs) Because we know judges are humans just like the rest of us, and they ain't all wrapped that tight just because they wear that robe and bang a gavel. So what is a person supposed to do if they realize that this judge is biased against me in my case? So I actually answered that and I was kind of sitting on my couch answering that question and I'm trying to answer it in, you know, Instagram form where it's only a couple sentences and I'm going to let Sam add on to this. But my my biggest piece of advice on that is you always want to talk to an attorney that is familiar with those judges. So we practice in all of South California. I can tell every, you know, Sam and I practice from LA to San Bernardino to Riverside to San Diego and Orange County. But because we're in those courthouses so much that we are very familiar with the judges. So I can tell you in Riverside County, we're getting a few new judges. Uh, New judges generally mean that they're not uh, super familiar with all of the family law codes and all of the case law. And that's nothing against them. It's just they probably have been practicing or um, being a judge in another area of law. But the most important thing I tell clients is when you're researching an attorney and you just Google, a lot of times you'll Google, say, Orange County family law attorney, and -hmm. you get someone in, um, you know, Santa Clara, which is up north. They don't know those judges. They don't know how those judges think. They don't know what those judges are inclined to do. For instance, do they heavily rely on a mediation recommendation? Do they deviate from that recommendation? Um, Judges are human. We don't know if they got in a car accident that morning. We don't know if they got in a fight with their child. 
spouse. Um, and, and you can't, those are, those are so many things that are out of, out of our control. But I can tell you that if you hire an attorney that knows that judge, knows their quirks, know what their tendencies are, and really has some sort of relationship within the community that they're known and they're respected, I can tell you that when a judge doesn't really know what he or she should do, the good judge will take a minute and will go research the issue and then come back. Mm -hmm. But if you are respected and you are known and, and in that courthouse and in that community, and you provide the judge with the law to support your client's position, those judges generally rely um, on what that attorney is presenting. So I have a lot of judges that I wouldn't say are Sam and I's favorites, but I can tell you we know their background. We know where they came from. Do they come from a criminal background? Is that how that their mind works? Um, you know, mm -hmm. do they have kids? Are, are they understanding and empathetic to all of these minute emotional issues that deal with children like a holiday schedule? And that's what you want your attorney to do. You want them to know beyond the facts of your case. You want them to know uh, everything about that judge, that courthouse, how, how that judge handles continuances. For instance, there's a couple judges in Riverside County that unless literally somebody's in the hospital or you have extreme good cause, they won't continue the hearing for anything. Mm. And if your attorney doesn't know that and they're walking in telling you, oh, we're going to continue this, we're going to continue this. And guess what? You're in a full-blown evidentiary hearing. Woo, you better be researching a new attorney. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to okay. add on that real quick. Okay. Yeah. And just to, to add on to that, I would say as a general premise, there are things in a family law case that you cannot change. There are facts that cannot be changed. There are judges that may or may not have a particular opinion. And that's why Kristen and I, and part of Custody Queens is about the educational aspect of it, because there are parts of your case that you can take control of the way that you present your case, avoiding, you know, a, a judge's serious issue in a case you can really get the information you need across as well as you possibly can while educating your judge on the facts and presenting it in a particular way so you can take control over certain parts of your case just one last thing i sorry Naja, is that uh, sam and i had a case recently and it was very clear i first thing we do is order the transcripts which is getting okay. a copy of the of the record from the hearing if we were not on the case at that time and i'm reviewing this transcripts and it was clear the judge did not like our client for whatever mm -hmm. reason uh, she was cutting her off she basically did not acknowledge her presence even in the courtroom and the first thing that Sam and I sat down with our client and said, it is clear this judge does not like you, whether or not it amounted okay. to the level of true bias, which is very hard to prove in a, in a family law case in order to get a judge kicked off your case. That is a very hard burden to prove. Um, but again, it, it was us taking the case over and presenting the facts in a way that we knew that judge would be receptive to. Okay. And by the way, she got a great outcome after we took over. So wait a minute. Why? I know you without going into details, because you can't give de details on cases, but was this client pursuing new legal representation because they felt like they, their other attorney was not getting through with this particular judge? Absolutely. They got okay. their, what kicked in court. And I think she called us from the courthouse and I immediately. She's like, it's over. I'm done. I and need and that happens. Attorneys are not a one size fit all. And I can tell you there are so many attorneys that aren't prepared. They don't do their homework. They don't know the judge. They got four cases that hearing that half the time they're calling their client's name out in the hallway. 
Um, and I can't tell you how many times, at least probably five a week, we get a call either from leaving the courthouse on the courthouse steps or whatever it is. And oftentimes it's trying to people trying to cut costs up front, Yep. you know, Hey, I'll hire a less expensive attorney because I'm going to save money. And I always tell people that that never happens. You're going to end up. You're going to pay more. Yeah. And it goes back, it goes back to the having control aspect over your case it can be the same facts presented in a different way in a nice package that create a different result, a drastically different result. You know, it, it happened to my family, you know, just trying to cut corners in the beginning. Um, but like one of my favorite ad- adages is you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later. Either way, you're going to pay. Yeah. So let's just say a person is listening to this because they're probably going to click on this podcast because the title has custody queens in it. And they're a person that's going through the turmoil or they're about to. How, and, and you made a, a very good point. You're saying because you know if you're not if you're not accustomed to court, which most of us, thank God, are not, then you kind of just Google. Let me find a child custody attorney in. Let's just say I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. So let's just say Memphis. Let me find a great attorney in Memphis. And I'm going to Google, and whomever has great search engine optimization, their name is going to come up first or whatever. You know, they paid for advertisements. That doesn't necessarily mean they're the best. So how do you know if you're, how is a client, a prospective client to know if their attorney has these great relationships, if they are a good fit? How do you know what to ask when you're interviewing an attorney? So a couple of really important questions that if I were the client, and that's kind of how I practice law and Sam too, is I always try to put my, myself in the client's footsteps. Um, and also for marketing, I, I mean, I'm, you know, am I your target audience? But if I was calling an attorney and, and attorneys have to call attorneys of other areas of law, you know, for instance, if I own property and I need to talk to an eviction attorney, um, first, I, I, again, I don't rely on Yelp. I, no offense to Yelp, but that's not where I would go find an attorney. Yeah, um, right. Right, there is exactly. a great website that, that I think is a starting point, which is called avvo, A-V-V-O.com. Okay. That provides you at least how long the attorney's been practicing, what they specialize in, if they're certified by the state bar as a specialist, if they have any um, discipline with the local state bar. That's a good starting point. Point. Is that a website where the attorneys have to submit themselves or is somebody just, no, is like it, a it's a pretty team? big website. Um, and I think they have, I mean, they have a lot of employees, but they, they okay. do the research themselves. We can, oh. get, yeah, we, they actually do the research themselves with the state bar, um, to double check that attorney. We can obviously update our profiles. We can add pictures. Um, we can update what, what bar associations we're involved with. So that's, gotcha. that person can read all of that pretty quickly on their profile. But again, attorneys are not a one size fits all. So I highly recommend having a lot of attorneys offer free telephone consultations and make sure you know the difference between a telephone or an in-person so you're not blindsided by you know a consultation charge that you weren't expecting. But talk to those attorneys after you talk to you know three or four, really talk about your cases, ask what the attorneys are involved in. Are you involved with your local bar association? Um, do you have any discipline with the state bar? How long have you been practicing? Uh, you know, I, I hate the question. I get, I get two famous questions all the time. Okay. What are those? How much is this going to cost? <laughs> oh, and how, how many times have you won? <laughs> and what my definition of winning is, and I hate the word winning because in family law, really it's not winning. It, it's, right. it's coming to, 
a, a place that you're both not super happy with, but that you know is best for the children. That, right. that is what's more important than quote unquote winning. But I get that all the time. How many cases have you won? How many cases has Sam won? Well, what I think is a quote unquote win in court, <laughs> um, you may not. So right. um, it's just more important. Get, get a feel for them on a personal level because this is such an emotional process and right. it is so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's just, it's so unique to you that. Um, it's hard to quantify what winning means when my child is in, a, you know, their lives are being flipped upside down. And so are the parents. Like, yeah, and the attorney that worked for my neighbor or my cousin or mm -hmm. my friend from law school may not be the right attorney for me. Yeah. And I would say to sort of add on to what Kristen's saying is it's a two-way fit and you want to make sure that you're comfortable with where we're going and we're comfortable with where you're going because if you're not on the same page as your attorney and, and you don't have the same overall goal and expectation of where your case is headed you're going to create a conflict between the person that is attempting to help you the most mm. and to that end we often after a while they'll open up but you often get people that want to potentially sugarcoat the facts or almost argue their case to you because they're so frustrated with the court system if you don't tell us the truth and give us the raw of it we can't protect you and help you push your case and yourself into a better position that's mm. why and i are always so involved with these child custody cases they're really fluid cases they're moving you could make a bad mistake and potentially correct it in the future. That's not always true, but there's things that you can do to get yourself out of a situation, but not being open and honest and candid with your attorney from the jump is going to cause you problem down the line because then you have exposure and we're not on the same page. And so then it, it, the question becomes, why do you have an attorney? Yeah. That's and, good. I like and that. I, it, it, again, Sam nailed it managing your client's expectations and as a client managing your own expectations is so crucial to your case i mean i can tell you that sam and i turn down cases pretty regularly if it's not a good fit for us with a client or um we don't we we don't just take cases for money frankly we love doing what we do and we love helping everybody that we can but we are not in a place where we need clients you know just to take clients money so mm -hmm. if you come to us and you say hey i i have this and i really just want to add an overnight and i look at your schedule or sam looks at your schedule and we say well you have no ability to do that with your work schedule and the time and the kids uh activities it, it just doesn't it's not realistic high. So I'm not going to take your money to do that. There are a thousand attorneys that will do that. Absolutely. The biggest red flag you should know from an attorney is when they say yes to everything that you want or they tell you what you want to hear. I, um, I, I don't have the best bedside manner. Um, I think Sam's is probably a little bit better than mine, but okay. I 100% and I know Sam does this too. We do not tell clients what they want to hear. You are not paying us you know, a, a significant amount of money for me to rub your back and tell you that everything you're doing is great. You wouldn't be calling us if you were in that position. So if you're paying an attorney, take their advice, be receptive to it, listen to it, um, and really try to try to work through it. Because if you ask me something and I give your honest opinion, my honest opinion and advice, and you don't follow it, why are you paying me? Okay, which that, that, that kind of segues into my next question. Um, you mentioned earlier, hey, listen, I won't take certain cases. You guys, you guys have integrity, but we all know that there's tons of human beings. Some of them happen to be attorneys that 
don't have as much integrity or they might really need the money. Um, and we hear about people firing their attorneys every day. Can you tell me some instances, tell us some instances when an attorney, not necessarily you ladies, would have to fire a client? What would make you say, Naja, you're fired, girl. I ain't working with you anymore. I don't want your money. I can't help you. <laughs> I got a long list, girlfriend. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, obviously, if, if, if I feel that you are doing anything, anything, that would be putting your child or children in harm's way, or that I feel if your actions are self-serving um, and that you are really just self-motivated for your own financial reasons or your own money reasons. I mean, obviously, if we're talking about spouse support or division of property, it's different. But so many people come into us and say, um, I want 50-50. They have no understanding of what 50-50 means. They have no ability to exercise a true 50% timeshare, which is act actually exercising. Um, there's 8,760 hours in a year and 50% is exercising half of that. So I get mm. so many people, men and women, both. I want 50-50 because they know that it's going to have an effect on their child support obligation. Mm -hmm. And if Sam and I sit down with you and they say, look, you know, you're, you're traveling to work two hours each way. Um, you know, the other parent only works part time and you guys have been doing this for 12 years. It's just physically not possible and it's not in the best interest of the children. And if, if we can't come to an agreement or an understanding about that, that's one reason that we would not be a good fit. And I would say just to kind of add on to that, Kristen and I have a pretty rigorous vetting process on the front end of our clients, making oh, sure okay. that it's a good fit from the inception because I want to be, and Kristen wants to be an expert in your case, in the facts of your case. I want to know when you got a 50 cent raise so that I can articulate that with specificity to a court. We want to know all those facts and we do it up front to try to prevent a future conflict. Conflicts do happen during representation and that's kind of the nature of the business sometimes. But I would say the reality is if we feel like you are no longer there for your children or you are trying to misrepresent something to the court as officers of the court, we're not going to stand behind that. And I'm not going to just be your sort of dog and pony show to further an illegitimate claim. I'm not going to allow a client to falsify a safety concern or mm -hmm. try to pretend that this is about the children when it's very obvious it's about financial gain or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I, we, Sam and I always say, we give you the facts. So you, you know, you're the captain of your own ship. This is your journey. This is your life. This is your kids. This is your, your, uh, your future. This is everything for you. What we do is we educate you. We provide the tools. We tell you the pros, the cons. We give you our advice. We give you our suggestions, our recommendations. Um, I add a whole nother aspect of being a mom. Just if I, if I know things are going to come up with birthdays or holidays, or if Monday's out for the school year, mm. I provide all of those little things because I go through them. You know, I, I, I know them. I mean, I'm happily married, but I, I go through, those issues going, oh crap, it's, you know, uh, I think there's a holiday coming up on January 20th. And I was just thinking to myself, you, you know, know how to think ahead. I need point. to think ahead because right. I need to find alternative daycare for my children. Um, but we always tell you, you're the captain. What our job is to is provide you the information. Um, there was one other thing too, is that um, clients who are not receptive, 
So they go unresponsive to us. They don't communicate. They don't ask for what we need. If we need a written narrative or a declaration, or if we need um, a detailed timeline of some events that happen, and then we don't hear from you for two or three weeks, and there's a hearing coming up, guess who's going to get reprimanded at court? I mean, obviously our client is, but we as officers of the court are going to get reprimanded. You look really bad. You look yeah, like we you look bad. And our reputation is very important with us. We worked really hard to get the level of respect that we get from judges and, and opposing counsels. So if you don't work with me, my famous line is, I can't care about your case more than you. Right. I can't do that. Neither can Sam. And if we ever feel like it gets there, then again, we don't have room for you. Mm. Question. So a lot of parents um, that I see across the board, parental alienation is something that may or may not be recognized depending on your state. You know, sometimes it's against the law. Sometimes it's not. Most of the times it's not. But a lot of people will very quickly scream, oh, I'm being alienated. Um, How can you prove alienation in court in a state where it's not recognized and the judge may not understand what it is? How, How is a person supposed to go about proving that they are being alienated. So I would say we, Kristen and I obviously practice exclusively in California and alienation is something that is recognized here, but it's easier said than proved. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of goes hand in hand with the getting to know the facts of your case and seeing if it is actually ongoing and occurring. I think that anyone can accuse anyone of wrongdoing, including alienation. And sometimes that's maybe a false conspiracy. And sometimes there's documented evidence of it. For Kristen and I, if you have a case where there is someone on the Wait, other I'm side. Wait, I'm sorry. Can you, can you define alienation? Because I just realized not, I, not everybody may know what that is. So it, Sure. So, so alienation would go to a, a parent or parents making comments or behaving in a way that is conducive to turning that child against the other parent. So, for example, someone saying, "Well, you know, your your dad didn't pay me, so we don't we we can't pay for rent, or we can't eat food, or your dad did this to me, or your your mom cheated on me." Comments or statements that disparage the other parent and put a child of whatever age in a situation where they feel caught in the middle or they feel that they need to select a side or they feel that one parent is wrong over the other. And as a child going through divorce, you should not have to worry about those things. There is a concern in the family law court in general that one parent may spend too much time disparaging a child to the point that that child doesn't even want to go to the other parent's residence. And that's Mm -hmm. a problem. And that's something that if recognized in your state or if the court sees it as a pattern or potentially grounds to change custody. It's easier said than done because often this stuff is behind closed doors. It's speculation. It's what you think has happened or could happen. But if, if you have statements that are constantly being made or text messages, which evidence this, a pattern of conduct is really how you get to a situation where and you have to prove it basically right but it's it's harder to prove it's it's easier to accuse than to prove so because if you say hey i called my kid 13 times and i'm never getting an answer and you know the other parent can very well say oh well the phone wasn't on or the phone was dead like you know how would a person go about like what what's the foolproof thing and i know that's such a loaded question but what can they say or do to demonstrate this is happening to me yeah because there's the psychological um aspect it's a psychological manipulation by one parent to the other with the intent to cause 
um, that child to be estranged from the other parent. Mm-hmm. So um, th- th- in California, we have a, um, a process which is called a forensic child custody evaluation. So if my client comes in and says, I had a really great relationship with my child, um, it was really great. Here's two years of text messages showing me go to Disneyland and concerts and she was staying with me every other weekend. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, she won't respond to me. She won't text me. She's refusing to come to visits with me. Um, and I can verify that through my own research. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that is clear to me that there's, there's some, something that was triggered. There's some sort of psychological aspect. And I mean, I, I that case was, was so complex. Ah, that I see. It, it's hard to, it would take me years to even to talk about that case, but that is a true, um, that's kind of foolproof. Okay. So yes. let me, so about this. So what psychological testing that was involved in that. And that gets very expensive and time consuming. It does. But it, that for me, that was the only way to prove to that court because you can have the psychologist testify. They spend time with both parents. They spend time with the child. They do the psychological testing. That was the best way in that case to get the facts of the court that one parent was truly had the, it, the, right. the intentional motive to estrange that parent from the child's life so what type of parent is more likely to alienate the other parent someone who is unhappy with himself oh y'all hear that okay (laughs) someone someone who has a lot of personal and emotional issues going on with themselves um it's generally involved in the revenge part of the case Um, at the common example is that one party cheats on the other And for instance, I took a case the other day where, um, you know, one party had an affair and I'm not condoning that by any means. That's my disclaimer, but it happens a lot in family law cases. Mm -hmm. And the issue was, was that happened four years ago and I still had one parent on the other side, every time the child was supposed to go to dad, you know, your dad cheated on me. You know, this is what, um, and again, I am super empathetic to anyone going through that process. It, it happens so often in our family law cases and we have to deal with that because revenge and vengeance and retaliation, all of that comes with it. But if four years have gone by and it got to the point where these and it's children, like girlfriend, you still have not healed after four years. And that was her own personal history, but it got to the point where these kids completely wrote off dad and me as a person sitting here looking at that going, you know, this, this client won't know his grandkids. He won't know his great grandkids because of something he, a mistake he made four or five years ago that he's done everything to try to rectify since. Um, but it all comes down to, in that case, it was mom. She hadn't healed. She hadn't taken care of herself. And she was so intent of getting revenge on him that she brought her kids into it. And unfortunately, that was just long lasting. And it's caused so much detriment to that family. Does a parent see Because I know when we're filled with vengeance and revenge, we can't see the long-term effects. Like, hey, if I'm teaching my children to hate their father, then they're going to have tons of issues. And well, they're yep. Their kids are going to have issues and their kids' kids are going to have issues. Right. So the cycle is going to continue. But is there something that can be said to get through to the alienating parent? Like, listen, you are dragging these kids through a divorce with you. Because I know plenty of four, eight, 12-year-olds that have gone through a divorce because of their parents. They've taken it with them. So is there something that you can say to uh, to, to get through to this person? Like, listen, let me explain to you how 
much your kids are going to suffer in the long run. They're going to be just like you, which is not a good thing. Probably don't say that, but. Yeah, no, I can say, and uh, I can say, and, and Sam will have her own interpretation of this, is I say, look at yourself in the mirror. Do you want your kids to feel the same way that you feel at that point? Because you are going to create a long trail of abandonment, abandonment issues. You're going to make them feel one parent didn't love them. Um, and that is an issue between you and the person that you chose to marry. At the end of the day, that person is still a parent to your children. But look in the mirror and get a therapist. Get some professional help. I am a firm believer that everybody needs a therapist. Everybody. Yes. Mm -hmm. But do you want to make your children feel the way that you feel? And do you want your children's children to feel the way that you feel? Because that is what you are creating. You are not. I guess that will come with a level of being like self-actualization saying, yeah, oh, wait, I am screwed up. And you're right. Because some parents will be like, girl, I'm fine. You're the problem, not me. And then boom. So, so my next question is, if you are a parent, let's just say in cases of cheating, if you are the parent um, that got cheated on or whatever you 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 left and the other parent creates this awful false narrative in an effort to alienate what should you say to your children should you defend yourself and be like hey i didn't cheat on your mom or your mom cheated on me first or um your mom used to fight me or your your mom stole my money so that you can because you know when alienation you're trying to win the affection of one parent so how should you defend yourself against that if you're the one that's getting dumped on so I would say kind of as a general premise and, and admonishment to both parents is it's really important to put your children first. And part of that is, is like Kristen said, getting yourself in therapy and making sure that you are, you are fine so that you can be that good example for your child. But in general, you don't fight alienation with alienation and you don't fight alienation by by bringing your child into your family law case or your personal adult issues. Mm -hmm. It is such an easy temptation to say no. Um, here's the real story right. to your children. And especially when you have very, very young children, they get very confused. Then all you're doing really is giving that child ammo to go back to dad or mom and say, well, really, that wasn't true. This is what happened. And now they're more involved than ever. So uh, how do you respond if a kid says, daddy, you cheated on my mom and dad knows darn well that it was a mom that had a boyfriend the whole well, time? Well, I, I think the first and and foremost thing you say to your child is is that they should not be having those conversations and that it is it is not really for them to that both parents love and and care very deeply and that that's not for them and and second as Kristen kind of brought up earlier get get your children in therapy um, yes. have them have a appropriate outlet to deal with the complexities associated with parents splitting that's what they should be dealing with is understanding the emotions of now having potentially two new households or significant others around and what does their new schedule look like and but those are the things that they may need to deal with but they also need to deal with being a child and yes. going to school and having friends and and getting good grades and being in extracurricular activities and dance and gymnastics and soccer they should not be dealing with whether or not dad cheated on mom 
Mm, they shouldn't be, but Lord knows. So I want to kind of bring it back over. Oh, you have some add on that is that obviously yeah. depending on the children's age, the conversation is going to change. So if it's a yes. four-year-old or a two-year-old, you can kind of brush it off and divert into another subject. If it's a 16-year-old, it you just always need to recognize that it needs to be age appropriate. But Sam's mm -hmm. 100% right. A common a common explanation or response I give to my clients who ask this question is. Um, you know, that that's something between mommy and daddy. That's that's a discussion for parents only. Um, and that's not something for you to worry about. And we both love you and, and we're gonna do everything we can to make sure that you know nothing changes for you. And then reach out to your therapist and say, Hey, what's the appropriate way um for me to answer this question? Because obviously right. you're the ones that have the history and, and the knowledge the that what's going on in those children's brains. Um and and the and the therapy sessions are perfect, it's a safe setting. Um, for those children to ask questions that the therapist may know how to answer better. But the number one thing is, you know, that's, that's just not something that we should discuss. That's, a, that's something between mommy and daddy. Yes. I, I kind of, now I told you ladies, I'm only going to need you for like 20 something minutes, but I'm having a great time talking to you. Do you have like five more oh, minutes possibly? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I want to kind of bring it back more toward um, your area of expertise, the legal stuff. So we've all heard of parents withholding visitation because maybe they're upset that daddy or mommy has a new love interest or they want to control the temperament or, you know, just whatever reason. What are some valid reasons that you've seen a parent withhold visitation when very well, you know, you know, for a fact, you have a custody order in place. Um, so they would be breaking the law and having them putting themselves in contempt. But what are some reasons when a parent will be validating and be like, you know what? No, they're not coming this weekend. So my first comment to this is that no attorney can ever tell you not to comply with the existing court orders mm -hmm. um, because that can be grounds for the other side filing a contempt motion, whether or not Absolutely. it's warranted or what all the facts are. Mm -hmm. um, I can never tell my client that he or she can violate the court order. Um, but just on its surface, um, you know, say the child's in the hospital, <laughs> clearly they're not going to be able to comply with a visitation schedule. If the right. And here, here's a suggestion. So if the child comes home from school and has 102 fever um, and is throwing up, then my advice would be, A, call your attorney, ask what you should do. But maybe a suggestion that I would have is, let me see if I can reach out to opposing counsel or shoot a text to the other parent that says our child is throwing up or whatever the illness is. And I really think it would be best for him just to him or her just to stay on the couch and rest instead of moving and sitting in the car for an hour. What are your thoughts? Um, there is really other, other than um, being very sick to the point where they can't visit. My advice is to never mess around with violating a custody order unless you have an agreement in writing with the other parent that confirms that you are on the same page. A simple text message says, you know, um, this is what I think. What are your thoughts? They agree. Boom. Done. But you never want to mess around because I guarantee every single time you violate or you deviate and you don't have reason to do so, the other side is building a case. They're going to file a motion to modify saying that you're alienating. You can't, you can't stay within the confines of the order. You're manipulating the child and therefore the court has the ability, jurisdiction to modify the order in favorable to the other party. And just to, mm. to kind of add on to what Kristen's saying, 
I would, I completely agree with everything she's saying. I think the first step is to see what your court order says. It's going to vary state to state. Your court order might be a little more vague, allowing you to get away with something more. But at the end of the day, you need to follow the court order, especially if you're going into court asking the court for help thereafter. You might need to go in on an emergency basis because there's a safety concern and you're scared that if you pass that child over on the regular visitation schedule that something may happen. Well, you're asking for the court's help there and you may call your attorney and be able to get in California potentially an immediate order preventing you from willfully violating your current plan. But it's never really a good plan in general to violate a court order and then go ask the court for help. You need to have a plan in place and you want to do it appropriately. And there are in California specific procedures and protections in place, which would allow you to pretty quickly get yourself into court and get that information heard and potentially modified if it is a safety risk. One thing to add on that, and I'm a little hesitant to even talk about this, but say that your child comes back, you know, from a visit covered in black and blue bruises from being, you know, whipped or spanked or what it appears to you. Um, If there is an absolute 100% safety concern, I'm not talking about something that may be able to wait a day or two or a week, but if there is an absolute 100% safety concern, Um, you immediately need to contact your attorney um, and your attorney may, may, may make a judgment call on how you move forward from there so that you can get in and file an emergency hearing with the court or a domestic violence restraining order or something. Um, But I can tell you if my client called and said that he had just come back from one parent and he was covered in bruises and was supposed to go back to the other parent the other day, I am not saying what you should or should not do. I am saying you should contact your attorney immediately Obviously, law enforcement will be involved. Uh, Child Protective Services will likely be involved. But that may be a case where I would advise my client, hold um, the exchange. I need to get into court tomorrow to file an emergency hearing because clearly there is a 100% safety risk to that child. And it would be detrimental to the child um, to go back to the parent on that. What if a parent doesn't have an... Okay, so what if the parent doesn't have a an attorney on retainer, or they don't have an attorney at all? Call, call an attorney and get a, a consult over the phone, get some advice, call law enforcement, um, and contact the, generally there is a self-help or a family law facilitator. Again, this would be in combination of a, a free, a, a lot of attorneys will give free consults, and if someone called me and, and that was the situation, I would give them a detailed list of what they need to do. First, call the police. Second, file an ex parte. Three, attach any pictures of the bruising, which you need to take immediately. Four, contact CPS. And five, um, you know, get into court as quickly as you can so it doesn't have too much of an effect on the visitation schedule. And in, in, in California, not that every single safety concern per se would warrant this, but like Kristen said, when you're contacting law enforcement, there are some additional procedures and protections that they have in place. Depending on what happened in California, a law enforcement officer could contact a 24-hour on-duty judge and issue what's called an emergency protective order that would supersede your family law order for about 72 hours, giving you enough time over the weekend into the next court week to get into court and change your order. So there are things that can be done. And like Kristen said, there are extreme examples where sometimes safety just warrants deviating from that. But in general, you know, you want to contact an attorney, you want to contact law enforcement, you want to get some directive. 
from some outside perspectives rather than take it into your own hands. You, you take it into your own hands by contacting those authorities and going from there. And that will help you also save face when you go into court um, and it doesn't look like you were you know, alienating, withholding, or, or willfully violating a visitation order. That will provide you some defenses um, if really, truly the um, detriment and the safety concern was there. Mm, got it. Got it. That is so, you know what, ladies, you have been, oh my God, extremely informational. And there's a million questions that I could have asked you, but I always kind of like to ask people, is there something that you would like to add that maybe we did not cover? Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> just one thing, just one thing each, one thing. I should say that we'd love to be on again if, you know, in a couple months or a year, if you have any other questions, because obviously. You can oh, honey, y'all can so, come next week. I mean. So, so passionate to us and, um, and we love talking with you. And again, family law is this huge, huge umbrella. I always say with 20, you know, 30 compartments underneath the umbrella um, that we could spend hours talking about. But one thing, if you follow our Instagram feed or you follow our our Facebook feed. Um, we understand that people are humans. Okay. We are yes. humans too. And yes. some days we are on and some days we are our best selves and we're super self-aware. And some days, you know, this is just as tough on us as it is on you. And mm -hmm. so we like to provide real advice and not just send you to a family code, you know, read the factors and, and call me back and let me know what you think, because I don't even know if I can say that's be, I'll say BS instead. Yeah, uh, but yeah. that's not that's not real life, you know. <laughs> um, and and so we try to provide a lot of quirky, real life situations, real life tips. I'm not going to sit here and and again read from a code book and tell you what your rights and obligations are, um, because shit happens. And I'm a parent, and I can tell you the other day as I'm in my suit trying to run out the door, and I'm late, and I walk out, and you know. I walk out to the garage to feed the dogs and there's several surprises for me in the garage and um, you know, not great surprises. So I'm on my hands and knees cleaning the floor and I'm thinking to myself, you know, shit happens. And, and this right. is life. You got to put one foot in front of the other. You got to keep moving, but that's what family law cases are about. They're emotional. They're draining. They change from day to day, but you need to focus on your side of the street. You cannot control what the other side is doing. Or Listen up y'all. And Hey, that's, you know, that's, I had a great therapist for a really, really long time. And she taught me, she gave me some great tools. And again, I think everybody needs a therapist. It's healthy. It, it just keeps you, it keeps you level-headed. And I can look mm -hmm. at something and say, Kristen, that's not the, that's not the right way to handle this. And I run to Sam, what are your thoughts? Because maybe I'm too close to this. Right. And that is the great thing about the custody Queens is you get two brains, two thought processes. Um, and we are always here for you and we fight just as hard for you as your case. And, um, we understand that people are humans and mistakes are made and that we aren't always the best version of ourselves. But what you can do is control your side of the street and what makes you the best version of yourself and the best parent. Yes! You know what? Thank you so much, Custody Queens. You all have been listening to another episode of I Know I'm Crazy with Naja Hall. I think these ladies are now a part of our fraternal order of crazies because they fit in right, right with the rest of us. So, ladies, Custody Queens, thank you so much for joining us. And if you all have any questions for them or you want to find them, search Custody Queens. They are everywhere on the internet as Custody Queens. And your website is custodyqueens.com, correct? Yep. 
Right, Bones, stay easy to find. These girls are making it too easy for us, y'all. Too easy. Thank yeah, you so we much. We are man. crazy, just like you guys. Yes! <laughs> You're one of us. You're yeah, our we people. Are, we are super crazy, especially. You, you are my people. Both of you, you are my peeps. That's it. All right, we'll see you guys next uh, Tuesday after next, because y'all know I ain't going to do this show every week. Every other Tuesday. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm, crazy. I'm, 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 I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy. I know I'm crazy.